pray. Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. <clears throat> and uh, I've enjoyed, in our Sunday school time, going through our Psalms. And uh, I told uh, some ladies I was talking to a few weeks ago, there may come a point, because the Psalms are rather lengthy, and if we do them nonstop, and we're able to do one psalm a week, it'll take almost three years to get through all of the psalms going one chapter at a time. So there may come a point in Sunday school, maybe around chapter 25 or the 25th psalm, somewhere in there, maybe the psalm 30, uh, that we'll take a break for a few months, and then we'll come back and pick up where we left off and do another 25 or 30 psalms, and we'll kind of uh, break them into smaller uh, sections perhaps and give a little bit of... um, a break from them in the Sunday school hour. I hope they've been a help to you. I love the Psalms. And uh, there's, of course, there's a lot in here. I, Brother uh, Harold and I sometimes will joke around. We'll come across a verse and we'll be like, boy, that's a really good verse. And uh, the truth is they're all good, aren't they? And uh, we joke about that sometimes. Boy, that's a good one. You know, they're all good. Uh, but uh, there's some that just speak to our hearts, I guess, is what we should be saying, uh, more so than others at particular times in our lives. And God seems to do that. Hopefully tonight it will be such a thing. Psalm 91, and we'll be reading the first two verses here tonight. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. And I want to give you uh, tonight uh, a challenge from this particular passage, but... At the end of this uh, psalm, this particular psalm, beginning in verse number 14, uh, there are six things that God says, I will do. Uh, And they are conditional upon us being in this secret place. And not just being in it, but I just want us to notice uh, a few things as we come to verse number one. He uses two different words here. The psalmist uses two different words here. And we're not sure who the psalmist is for sure on Psalm 91. There's a lot of folks who believe that it was written by Moses, actually. Uh, It's one of the rare psalms that were written by uh, someone other than David uh, or one of his musicians. And uh, they don't know for certain. It's not one of those things that we can know for certain. Uh, But as we come to this particular verse, uh, it says, He that dwelleth, and I want to just emphasize a couple of words here. Uh, and if you're in the habit of underlining, you might want to underline these words. But I want to emphasize a couple of words here in verse number one. I want us to, first of all, underline the word or emphasize the word dwelleth. And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. There's two words that are used here. The one that is dwelleth and the other is abide. And oftentimes we uh, talk of the idea that we need to abide in Christ. John spoke of it very clearly. A couple of the Gospels record where Jesus taught about abiding in the vine. And uh, if you abide in the vine, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And he uses this word abide quite a bit. Uh, But there's another word that is used first. And that is the word that dwelleth. And the the word dwelleth gives the idea of uh, lingering or residing at a permanent place. Uh, a residence that you're supposed to continue <coughs> continue at, excuse me, and kind of uh, have your heart and your attention uh, all fixed and focused upon it. 
And uh, this idea of being uh, dwelling is a, is a perpetual thing that should be in our lives. Something that is a continuous action, if you will, or a continuous uh, steadfastness, if you will. And then the word abide. The word abide uh, means to continue to rest. Isn't that an interesting word? To stand firm, to endure, to sustain. And it's often used in relation to persecution or trials <coughs> or troubles that come our way. And so we have two different things that the psalmist here, the writer of this particular psalm, uh, is, is referring to under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And he begins by saying, He that dwelleth, and this idea of lingering in a permanent place, in this, and, and what the psalmist refers to here as the secret place. I want to talk a little bit about this secret place, this place uh, that uh, is not really described other than to call it the secret place. What, what is the secret place? I would say that, first of all, the secret place is a place where we uh, recognize that God is our God. Notice what he says here. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. And the secret place is the place we get to where God is not just the God of heaven. He's not just the God of uh, the the creation. He's not just the God of salvation and redemption. But he becomes so intimately involved in our lives and us and his, we dwell and we abide in him in such a way that we recognize him as our God. He becomes very personal to us. There's a lot of people who talk about God. There's a lot of people who say, I know God. And what they mean by that is they know a lot about him. They can give you a lot of facts. (coughs) They can talk about his attributes. But do we really know him? Is there, that, is there that idea of, of recognizing Him as not just the great God of heaven, but He's my God? A personal thing. I would say, secondly, not only is it the place where we recognize Him as our God, but when He is our God, it gives us the ability to call Him our refuge and our fortress. Until that time, until He becomes our God, until we get to the place where Our faith is in Him and Him alone. There is no fortress for us. There is no refuge for us. We're trusting in things other than Him. And so the secret place, I would say, is a place where we recognize Him first and foremost as our God. In fact, the greatest commandment of Scripture that Jesus spoke about is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And so uh, recognizing Him as our God, putting all of our faith, all of our surrender to Him, not holding anything back allows us to come to Him and to cast our care upon Him and to run to Him in time of trouble. The songwriter wrote, The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. A shelter in the time of storm. What was he writing about? He's writing about the fact that because He was our God, He became our refuge. He becomes our fortress. He becomes the one that shelters us. And so I would say, first of all, that the secret place (coughs) is a place where we recognize Him as our God. And by recognizing Him as our God, He becomes our fortress and our refuge. And um, I would say number, uh, whatever number we're on here, the secret place is a place 
Now, I want to phrase this carefully. It's a place where we meet with God. And I want to expound on this a little bit further. I was listening to, I think it was Brother Scott Paul. He was speaking on this verse a couple years ago. I was listening to him. And he made the distinction that it was not just a time of prayer. We're not talking about your devotional time. But a state that we seem to exist in throughout the day. Uh, it becomes more than just our prayer time. But the secret place would be a place where we are in continuous communion with Him throughout our day. Where, where we meet with Him. A place where we dwell with Him. A place where we abide with Him. And uh, I, I, I uh, wrote a couple notes down in, uh, in, in, the, in one of the things, that I, one of the Bibles that I study from at the house. And I wish I had written down who I got this from because I don't, I don't think it was original with me. If it was, my brain was smarter that day than I thought it was. I, I'm sure I got it from somewhere else, but I, I love this thought. I would written this note down, and the note is this. I prefer the public place than the secret place, and I think most all of us would. And here's why. Because in the public place, we can pretend to be something we're not. In the public place, uh, we can put on a front. We can put on a facade. But the secret place is something where all is laid open and bare to God. There is no hiding. And while the secret place is much more needful for us, it certainly is not the most pleasant place for us to be. There's not a time where we can hide things from the Lord. We cannot pretend to be spiritual to God and Him not see right through us. Hold your place here for a moment. Turn back to Psalm 19, if you will. Psalm 19, we're going to come right back here and we're going to finish out through the chapter here. But I want us to look at a couple of verses that support these things tonight. Psalm 19 and verse number 12. Psalm 19 and verse number 12. The psalmist wrote this. He said, who can understand his errors? Notice the phrase here that he uses. Cleanse thou me from what? From secret faults. Faults that no one else can see are seen and made clear in the secret place. Isn't that interesting? By the way, notice it says here, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the what? Shadow. Can I tell you where there's a shadow? There's light. There's light. And the light exposes things. And it's interesting that there's the shadow there in the inner place, in this, in this secret place, if you will. And I know what the context of the psalmist is saying here is that we'll abide under the shadow, the protection, if you will, of the Almighty. That he, he takes us away from the glaring sun of, of, of uh, the pressures of this world and the oppression of this world. But understand this, that, that all of our sin is laid bare in front of God. When we go to this secret place, there are no secrets between us and Him. The light that God is shines in the darkness of our hearts. And isn't it interesting that even as God's children, the Bible tells us that men love darkness rather than light because they're what? Their deeds are evil. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful above all things, and 
desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so when we talk about this secret place, again, we're not talking about just having a time of prayer and a time of devotion, but having a time of abiding in God, dwelling with Him throughout the day, having a spirit of His presence alongside of us all through the day that guides and directs all of our steps, where we are consciously aware of His presence in our life. And so this secret place is a place where God becomes our God. It's a place where we meet with God. And then I would say this, it's also a place where not only the secrets of our heart are revealed to Him, but He reveals the secrets of His heart to us. There are things we learn in the secret place that we don't learn anywhere else. There are things that God reveals to us about Himself in the secret place that we don't find anywhere else. When you enter into this secret place, there's understanding, there's some discernment that God gives. And the discernment that God gives is something that far outweighs and outcries any kind of uh, learning or education that we get. I remember uh, educating uh, myself to get ready and prepared for ministry in Bible college. And we took an unbelievable number of, of Bible courses. We studied Old Testament survey and New Testament survey. We studied um, the um, uh, historical books, the poetic books. Uh, we studied the, um, the Gospels was a course. We studied uh, Hebrews. We studied Daniel and Revelation. We studied the subjects of prayer. We had uh, theological, um, uh, first, uh, 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 systematic theology uh, and uh, doctrine, Bible doctrines uh, courses. And all of this knowledge that men can teach, can I tell you this, that there are things that we learn about God in the secret place that there's no amount of book learning that you're ever going to find it in. It's going to be revealed to us through His Word as we come to Him in the secret place. Things that are hard and difficult for the flesh to understand and the natural man to understand are going to be made plain to us. And so the secret place is not only a place where our hearts are revealed to Him, but it's also a place where He reveals His heart to us. And we begin to understand Him more. We begin to see Him more as He really is. And this is the place that this writer of this psalm says we ought to dwell and we ought to abide. And when we dwell in this place and when we abide in this place, there are six things that He gives us. And I want us to look at those beginning in verse number, uh, verse number 14. Verse number four. There's a lot of things, if you'll read down through the psalm, other promises that are there, but there's six of them that he says, either, either therefore will I or I will, and sometimes they're, they're flip-flop, but six times in these three verses alone. And I want us to look at those very quickly. Verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. When we dwell in the secret place... God's deliverance is made available to us. God's deliverance is made available to us. We find this also shown in verse number 3. If you want to look there with me, the same chapter, it says, Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Just the circumstances of life that seem to come along. And I think this verse certainly would refer to those that would try to ensnare us and entangle us. We would call this the things of this world. We would say that Satan would be 
involved in these things and those that are controlled by him that try to ensnare us, <coughs> those that would try to distract us with the noise and pestilence. But then I want you to notice also, <coughs> excuse me, in verse number 7, he says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. And not only do we have God's deliverance from spiritual things that would come against us, but oftentimes He brings deliverance even to those that would try to harm us. Maybe they try to harm our testimony. Maybe they try to speak ill of us. Maybe they try to physically harm us. And oftentimes God makes His deliverance available to those that abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Those that dwell in this secret place. He also says in verse number 14, He says, Therefore will I deliver him, and I will set him on high. I will set him on high. God will exalt us. And this isn't one of these things when we say God will exalt us, in that He exalts us by way of pride. But He exalts us by way of overcoming the flesh. Living a life that is holy and pleasing to Him. Having a life that is above the sin of this world. The Bible tells us quite clearly that we are in this world, but we're not to be of this world. The fact that we're supposed to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. And as we live holy and as we live pleasing to Him, there's an exaltation that takes place and a testimony that is given. Something that men will look at as a testimony to our message and we become salt and we become light in His hands. And so the Bible tells us that when we dwell in this secret place, when we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, not only do we have God's deliverance, but God is able to help us to grow in these areas, to be able to lift ourselves above, or to be able to have Him help us lift, our, lift above the old nature and the old flesh that seems to war against the Spirit. And there's an exaltation that takes place. He says, I will set Him on high. Because he hath known my name. Verse number 15, he says here, uh, the third one, He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. Those that dwell in the secret place, those that abide in the shadow of the Almighty, are those that can be assured of God's ear in time of trouble. You ever noticed, and, and I think all of us perhaps maybe have experienced this, if you've been saved any length of time at all, that there are sometimes it seems like God already is working in the situation before you even pray and ask Him for it. He's so much in tune with, with what we're thinking at the time. Can I tell you this? It may not be so much that He's in tune with what we're thinking at the time, but maybe more along the lines that we have become more in tune with what He's thinking at the time. Maybe we've been dwelling with Him more and abiding with Him more, and, and, and that closeness has brought us to a place where it seems like Boy, God just, he's just right there with me all the time. It's like he knows before I even get to the, to the point, which obviously he does, but he answers quickly. And then there's times in our lives where it seems like we're praying and we're doing our best to read Scripture and understand it. And it seems like he's far from us. And by the way, unless you think you're any different than anyone else, the disciples went through a lot of this. A lot of the New Testament saints went through a lot of this. Where there were times that they felt like God wasn't even near them. I'll say this, the psalmist went through a lot of this. 
How many times does he talk about the fact that he doesn't even see, that God's not even near him? And it wasn't that God wasn't near him, it was that he wasn't near to God. He wasn't dwelling in the secret place. He wasn't abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. And because of that, he felt like God was far off. When we dwell in the secret place, when we abide in the shadow of the Almighty, we are assured of God's ear. He hears us. We come to Him in prayer, we can be assured of the fact that He knows all of our heart. I'm thankful that the Bible tells us in the New Testament that there are times even when we don't know how to pray as we ought. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. The Bible uses this phrase, with groanings which cannot be uttered. You ever gotten to the point where you were so under a burden that you didn't even know how to speak it? You didn't even know how to pray and ask God to help. There's a burden that came, was shared with me Sunday afternoon. I got a phone call and just broke my heart, literally broke my heart. And it, it wore on me for a couple of days. I called a pastor friend of mine Tuesday just because I had to share it with someone. I'd been praying for it, and he and I wept for about an hour and spent a good deal of time praying for it. And folks, there are times when our hearts break so much, the burden is so great, you almost feel like, Lord, I'm here to ask for help, but I don't even know how to ask for help. It's times like that that God is able to hear us and answer us perhaps even more so than He ever can when we pray to Him and are able to speak the things that we need. Why? Because I think our hearts are more in tune at that time. We certainly are casting more of our care and our faith upon Him during those times. I would say the way the psalmist says it here, we are probably dwelling with Him more in the secret place during those times. He tells us also in verse number 15, not only that He will answer him, but notice it says, I will be with him in trouble. There is no substitute for God's presence, God's calmness, God's peace in the midst of the storm. Look over in Psalm 46 for a moment. In verse number 1, Psalm 46 I love this psalm. I love so many of them, but this one's a good one that helps to emphasize this this particular verse in Psalm 91. Psalm 46 and verse number 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very, what's the next word there? Present help in trouble. He's not afar off somewhere. He's right there with us. I was talking Sunday with uh, some fellas about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. Our King James Bibles have it correct when it talks about Nebuchadnezzar looking into the fiery pit. and He said, Lo, I see four men loose and walking about, and the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Why? Because He's there with us. There's a song written a number of years ago called The Fourth Man in the Fire. 
I'm thankful that when we're in times of trouble, He's very near and He's a present help. And notice in verse 2 of 46, He says this, Therefore will not we what? Fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. And when you see the word Selah, it's a place where the psalmist wants us to pause and give thought to what was just said. Ponder it. Meditate on it. Before you move on, weigh what was just said. Think of those verses. In verse 2 and following, Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. I love verse 4. It says, There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice and the earth melted. Isn't it great to have a God like that? All He's got to do is speak. How often we've seen it throughout Scripture. From the very beginning of time, He spoke. And it was so. His disciples got into trouble in the Sea of Galilee. The storm was raging. He spoke. And the wind and the waves obeyed His command. There's going to come a day where Satan and all of the earthly kingdoms that follow Him are going to gather together in a mighty battle against God. For some reason, they're fully deceived by the fact that they have a chance. The Bible says that He's going to destroy them with the word of His mouth. He's just going to speak. Verse number 6, The heathen raged, the kingdoms removed. He uttered His voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is what? With us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Isn't that a good passage? We begin to see God as He really is. He tells us in verse 15 of Psalm 91, I will be with him in trouble. Then he repeats what he said earlier, I will deliver him and honor him. And we've already covered that. The next one is found in verse number 16. With long life will I satisfy him. I tell you that when we're dwelling in the secret place, we have great, great satisfaction. Great contentment, great peace. Oh, that we could learn to be content in Christ. We would learn to dwell. Not just come and go quickly, but to abide there. To stay there, to live there. I know that oftentimes in our life we go through mountaintops and valleys, and it seems like we go through some higher and some lower sometimes. Can I tell you this? As I've read more and more of Scripture, 
I would say that that is not God's will for the Christian. God's will is for him to abide. I ordered a bunch of books a couple years ago on revival praying. I don't know if you remember those, little hardback book I gave to everybody. Probably one of the greatest little books I've read on revival in all of my life at least. The, 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 the gist of the book was this, that we ought not to pray for revival. But we ought to live a life that is revived and pray accordingly. That we, that we maintain a revived life. That we, 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 we fan the flames and the coals of the heart. And keep the life revived. And then to pray. And rather than praying for revival, have revival praying. And I believe this is a little bit of what the psalmist is speaking of here. With long life will I satisfy him. And then I want you to notice the second, the last one here is, and show him my salvation. What does it mean to show him my salvation? I don't know that this is talking about someone coming to Christ by way of salvation as much as it's talking about the Christian that is saved, who abides under the shadow of the Almighty, who dwells in the secret place, seeing and experiencing all of the fullness of what God's salvation brings to us this side of heaven. Hold your place here for a moment. Let's turn to Philippians chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 2. And this perhaps is one of the most lacking things, perhaps in the Christian life and when we look around and we see Christians and we see that there's an apathy, we see that there's a callousness maybe that stems from familiarity. Maybe it's because we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We've heard them all before. We've heard the messages. We've read the Scriptures. We have devotions every day. And if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to become monotonous in that and to make that a habit or a routine in our life. And rather than, I heard one fellow say it this way, we need to be in a place where instead of having devotions, we get up in the morning and we devote ourselves to God. And there's a difference. One is going through the process of having devotions. The other is getting up and giving our heart fully to Him and saying, Lord, I want to be devoted to You. And as I come to Scripture, help my heart to be drawn. As I come to You in prayer, help my heart to be drawn to You. I want to be so devoted to you. Look with me in Philippians 12, chapter 2, and verse number 12. Paul says this. He says, and by the way, I love this about the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi is the only church you'll find in Paul's writings that he had nothing corrective to tell them. There are some things he encourages them to keep on doing. But every other church he writes to, he has to deal with issues and problems. But not the church at Philippi. Notice he says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice this phrase, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. And what Paul was telling him here is, he's not telling them they need to get saved, he's writing to the church. He's writing to those that have already been saved. It's not talking about work salvation here. 
Some people have, have asked me this over the years. They've come across that verse. Said, Pastor, it tells me here I'm supposed to work out my own salvation. That's the only way I can get saved. I said, but who's he writing it to? He's writing it to Christians. They're already saved. Well, what does he mean by this then? He means that we ought to be experiencing and living all the fullness of what God's salvation brings to us. This side of heaven. So often when people get saved, we get to this mindset that my salvation is taken care of, and one of these days, I'm going to enjoy the fruit of it. No, no. From the moment we got saved, we began enjoying the fruit of it. And what the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 91, in verse number <coughs> excuse me, 16, is that we are to uh, be able to experience, or and the Bible says that because we uh, dwell in the secret place, because we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, that one of the benefits of that that God will do for us is that He will show us His His salvation. He will open our eyes. He will cause us to recognize all that we have in Christ. Christians, I I get so tired sometimes, even in my own life, saying, Lord, I, I sit here sometimes and don't even think about some of the things I ought to think about. When it comes to my salvation. I've been given victory over sin. I've been given a Holy Spirit and a Savior that made a way of escape from the temptations that Satan gives me. I have a Christ that satisfies. I have a Holy Spirit that brings conviction. (coughs) I have a Bible that lights my way. I have the promise from God that I can have the knowledge of Him through His Word. I get the wonderful privilege to come into the throne room of a holy God that sits in heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords, and I get to commune with Him. This side of heaven. Salvation wasn't about getting our ticket punched on a train that's going to get us to eternal life someday, and we'll get to enjoy it then. The Christian life is all about what God gives us even on this side of heaven. Those that cannot see that, those that struggle with what God has given to us this side of heaven, I would say this, need to visit the secret place. They need to learn to dwell there. They need to learn to abide there under the shadow of the Almighty. In verse number 2 of Psalm 91, He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. That's how we get there. That's how we get there. We live with an ever-present and conscious attitude. O God, Thou art my God. Not only have I trusted You for my soul's salvation, But Lord, I trust You for every moment of every day of my life. For every decision I make. For every thought that I think. For every word that I say. Lord, I want to trust You for it. Surely, He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by day or by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, 
nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall, come, uh, shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Oh, I want to abide there. I want to dwell there. I don't want to have mountaintops and valleys. I want to find the secret place of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty. And I want to go into that door. And I want to crawl into that place. And I want to stay there. I want to dwell there. I want to abide there. I don't ever want to leave it. Verse 10, he says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What wonderful promises we have when we dwell in the secret place. This place where we abide with God. Not just a time of devotion, not just a time of prayer. But a place where God becomes our God. A place where our heart is laid bare and open to Him. And a place where He takes and opens His heart up and reveals it to us. May we learn to dwell in the secret place. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. So many truths and so many promises that You give to us that encourage us and strengthen us. And yet sometimes, even in the promises that You give, there's conviction.